0: Continuing on, so we're seeing that the Apostle Paul, who was a Jew of Jews, he was a Pharisee, he's saying the Jew is not a spiritual Jew. He's lost like Gentiles are. He has no more special standing. God, he did away with the Jewish system. That's why he had destroyed Jerusalem. They rejected him, and he went to the Gentiles. But some of the Jews stayed with him. Okay, and they just changed over. They received the gospel and received Jesus Christ as their Lord. So if someone tries to get you involved with Jews that are not Christians, if they're saved a special way, that is a lie. It's an insult to Jesus Christ himself. Ecumenicalism means all the church denominations come together and work together. That is demonic. Because some of them have false teaching, and you're not to join yourself with groups that teach heresy. So you need to understand that. One thing to be interdenominational, but denominations are basically men-made anyway. But if they propagate certain lies and are not Christian doctrine, we do not have unity with them. We do not mix with them spiritually. We are civil to them, we can deal with the world and be civil, but we cannot have spiritual fellowship because they are dead to Christ, they're not alive. Their father is the devil, whether they understand it or not. So, furthermore, the Jewish elect are those who came to Jesus. That's the one Paul said are elect and loved of the Father, it's the apostles The Jews mainly came at the time for six or eight years. The apostles and Christians only preached to Jews. They didn't get the message too clear that they were to go into all the world. They didn't understand clearly that the gospel was open to the Gentiles, and they had a hard time comprehending that. It was one of the hard sayings Jesus said that the Spirit would eventually give you truth on, and He did. He gave them the truth, and then Cornelius' house was the first of the Gentiles that he preached to, and they were saved and filled with the Spirit immediately. And then Peter and the church recognized, oh, we've got to go to the whole world. Remember his last message was, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, all the world to them was mostly the Roman Empire And 8% of them were Jews. So they were still thinking, oh, we got to go to all the Jews and preach the gospel. That isn't what he meant. See? So, the time this is written, there are more Gentile Christians than there are Jewish Christians. And furthermore, after another hundred years, we don't find after Paul, you don't find the apostles making a big issue of preaching the gospel to the Jew first. After the destruction of Jerusalem, this is 40 years later from the resurrection, that meant a probation period. And even Paul himself, after he went to synagogues two or three times, he shook the dust off his feet and said, you are not worthy of the kingdom. He said, I'll go to the Gentiles. He didn't waste too much time with them once he gave them the truth and they rejected it. So we need to understand this. And even people today who hound people constantly, this is disobedience and ignorance. The Apostle Paul says you warn a heretic two or three times and you have nothing to do with him, see? You don't keep going to him and casting pearls before swine. I don't believe in this nonsense. A person's had the gospel and heard it for 30 years, and in the last five minutes they get saved because they're afraid of hell. This is foolishness. It's not the gospel of God responsibility is given to people when the true gospel is given because when the true gospel is given to people not mental knowledge a lot of that's given when the true gospel is given people come under conviction of the holy spirit and they either reject it or accept it many people have been given religion and Christianity, but not under the Spirit's guidance. That's why two billion people, Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness, and yet they were claiming him as their Lord. See? There was no change. The true gospel had not been given, or they rejected the gospel. So he said, I never knew you. You were never mine. You never came to me. So the Christian or Christendom is a false religion as well as Buddhism and Hinduism and all the other isms. The same Christianity as a whole has become like Judaism as a whole. It's obsolete. It's false. Only the gospel preached by those called by God and the witnesses can be saved. Giving the Bible to somebody will not save them. Giving the literature will not save them as a whole. That is not the way God's chosen. Now, if they're hungry and seeking, he can inspire these things, but the main method is people are called by God to give a witness and to preach the gospel. He has not changed. An angel might appear to somebody that's possible and preach the gospel because Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven come and preach another gospel, let him be cursed. So he's saying, I'm not double-minded. I'm going to preach the same thing. And he says, I don't care if an angel imitates himself. It'll be an angel of the devil and tries to tell you he's from God and gives you a false message. So like I say, people are generally the only way, 99% of the way is the preaching of the gospel, the witnessing Of the gospel under the inspiration of the Spirit. Mental knowledge does not save anyone. Two billion people are going to say, Lord, Lord, and believe that he died on the cross and resurrected, and believe that they were serving him. And yet Jesus will say, You are workers of iniquity, lawlessness. He said, I never knew you. Isn't that astounding? The majority of Christendom is going to be rejected and yet they believe that Jesus is the Christ. See, its mental belief is not it. There has to be a change of heart. There has to be regeneration. There has to be the Christ living in them. That's the difference, okay? So we're seeing it's false doctrine to assume that Jews are equal to Christians and they are saved another way. No, they're not. But most Christians are lost, and most Jews are lost. That's the sad fact, but that's what's happened now. So the Jews as a nation, one day they will see the Savior whom they rejected, and the nation shall repent, and the Lord shall save them from the destruction. The Antichrist will set his eyes to destroy all of Israel, and the Lord will intervene, and that's when he'll set up the millennium, kingdom, and he will set up Israel as a chief among the nations. That is after the church is removed. So that's another time that we have to look for. Right now, the gospel is to be given to everybody. There is made no distinction. God has no favorites, and they're not a special chosen people if they've not come to the Lord. They have no standing with God. Actually, they come under God's greater wrath because he himself said, I will pursue them as a fishermen and hunters wherever they go among the nations. See, if they keep rejecting Christ, he will make it a special point to send wrath, and he did this through Hitler. One half of the world's Jews were destroyed. He was demonic and evil, but also during the Antichrist, God will send evil spirits to delude people because they don't want the truth, and they've rejected the truth. So God is in control of the devil, and he uses him to suit his own purposes. So if a person rejects the spirit, God can send them an evil spirit. That's within his prerogative. He did it to King Saul. He did it to other people. So we need to realize who we're dealing with. It's not wise to fight against the spirit of truth. The Christian is warned not to grieve the spirit, not to quench the spirit. And the ultimate in Hebrews is not to insult the spirit. See, the Christian can grieve the spirit, he falls into sin. The Christian can quench the spirit by stopping someone who's speaking under the anointing or interfering with the ministry of God. But to insult the Spirit, that can cause you to be put in a state of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. He can totally withdraw, and no man can repent again or come back to the Father without the Spirit. So that's the danger of insulting the Spirit of grace. So if the Christian backslides and turns away, he has insulted the Spirit. In most cases, he's given opportunity to repent. Remember the woman Jezebel, in all of her wickedness, God gave her time to repent. But once he shuts the door, it is shut. It will not be open again. The people in hell, ultimately in the lake of fire, the door will be shut to them, and it will never be opened again. They will live in a place of torment and utter hopelessness, knowing the outer darkness is... The furthest away from God is spiritually possible. He will not give them a pleasant thought. The smoke of their torment, even in heaven, will be a memorial before God, Christ, and the angels. They will not look on them to intercede or have pity. It says the smoke of their torment will ascend. They will see the end result that God offers noble grace or mercy. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a God of wrath. Paul said, flee the wrath that is to come. He said, I'll do anything to attain to the resurrection of the just. See, even Paul understood, I don't have a license to sin. I can't do as I please. He warns people of that. So there is a fear of the Lord. There is a certain place where to respect him and not tamper with the Spirit of God. He can be grieved and quenched and insulted to the point he turns his back and says, I'll never deal with that person again. See, that's what Paul is saying, that God says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will harden whomever I will. See, people pervert that scripture before people are born. That is not true. It is a response of God toward wicked people who consistently resist him. That's the ones that he hardens himself. Pharaoh was warned several times. King Saul was warned several times. And then the door was shut. So he is the one. He's given a special door to these special Christians who've overcome at a certain level so God will give them grace. He will not allow them to be tempted, like Paul said, above what they were able, but will make a way to escape. He will either protect them or hide them or give them grace to be martyred for him. That's what the Lord promises to his own, okay? So we say the Jews one day will see him for what he is but that's in the future, and that's a small amount. The scripture says, Though the children of Israel be as the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven, only a remnant will come to the Lord. Oh, there will always be far more Gentiles. He's rejected them under those covenants. They have to come to the Lord the same way a Gentile comes. Sometimes, and you often hear this and see this in writing, I laugh at it. Jews will defend themselves and say, oh, the Jews didn't crucify uh, him. Uh, The Romans did. Why, you big hypocrite. It was the Jewish leaders that blackmailed Pilate and said, if you don't crucify him and deal with him, we'll report you to Rome and say that you're recognizing another king. And that's when Pilate changed his opinion See, he said he washed his hands and found no fault with Jesus. But because of this threat, he decided uh, it's better that this man die, because they'll report me to the Romans. And he was already in trouble with the Roman leaders. Uh, but it was the Jews that insisted. They could not civilly put people to death. They had lost that power. They had to appeal to Roman leaders to do this. And this is what they did, okay? So they were hypocrites added to their sin. They forced Pilate through threats to crucify him. To hire someone to murder someone is often makes you an uh, equal part of murder. You can get the same sentence that the murderer gets that actually did it. Husbands and wives who have hired people to kill their companions They get the same sentence as the one they hired, see? Because they are guilty of it. So we need to understand this. They're just as guilty. He was murdered, though, not only by the Jewish instigation, but by the Roman world. It's the whole world is found guilty for crucifying Jesus. See, it's the world's system that did it. Verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. That is to come upon the whole world and to test those who dwell on the earth. Later on, they had a bad or worse emperor that brought a lot of persecutions on the few Christians that there were. And the Lord judged much of the Roman Empire and the years to come, and one year they had three or four emperors that was assassinating, so there was disruption, and it was probably the judgment of God for what they were doing to Christ and to his followers. Remember when the Great Tribulation period comes, and the Lamb pours out his wrath, the greatest tribulation that humans have ever seen, it's because they persecuted the Christian. There is no high priest in the temple interceding. Why? Because Jesus is now riding on a horse, and he's a judge and a king. He's not coming with salvation, the scripture says. See, Hebrews says he's not coming the second time with salvation. See, he came as a savior. He's acting as an intercession, but he's coming as a king and a judge. And there will be no mercy, simply judgment okay? And that's dangerous for the people. So he's saying, because you endured persecution and stayed with me, I will keep you from this great hour of trying. See, the scripture says he will make a way to escape for the believer. And again, he says those who were a little faithful to God and did the minimum, but they were trying, he'll give them a door escape. So a Christian can flee persecution, but once he's called before authorities, he must not deny the Lord. And in some cases, they have to be put to death as a martyr. And so he'll either make a way to escape or have them endure their imprisonment, or he will give them grace to die for him. He promises aid to his own. So like we say, the future emperors would be worse. I hear much about the rapture. So many people think they're going to be raptured. Most of them are not. Most professing, saved, and claiming to be spirit-filled are not going to be taken because they're not taking up the cross today. See, if you're not living for the Lord today, it's a false doctrine to say all born-again Christians. Well, you may have been born-again you may have turned to the lord but you're not following him you've become a foolish virgin you're not obedient to him you're not going cuz he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle this means he's coming for one people who are keep up to date accounts with the lord their sin or falling is short term they don't waddle in it they don't live in it and claim the grace of god this is false It's a false doctrine out there. Many think, oh, I'm going to be saved when this horrible time comes. No, you're not. You're going to find out then the truth of the gospel. You were a foolish virgin, that you were left, and you were left because you slept, and because you became Laodicean. You lost your garments, and you were blinded. And what did Laodicean, we'll see later, says, but we have need of nothing. Doesn't that sound like many Christians? Oh, we're going to be raptured. We, we have all grace. It's all grace. No, it's not. I'm sorry. If you don't obey grace, it's by righteous living, you have a false grace. That's what Paul said. I answer these people by Paul. I don't need James and Peter and John. I can answer those heretics by Paul himself. Paul said, shall we continue in sin because we are under grace? God forbid. Do you not know that whom you yield to, that's who your master is? He makes it very plain. Those who obey righteousness are under grace, and those who don't are under the death sentence. He makes it very plain. Like James, it's your actions that prove whether you have grace and faith, not your talking, not your mental belief, not because someone baptized you. All they did was make you cling. Baptism of water was supposed to be after the inward salvation was working, after the Holy Spirit had caused the person to see, and they repented and believed, and he entered them. Then you get baptized. Baptized doesn't do you a bit of good until you're saved and you regenerate it. Child baptism, infant baptism, it's basically invalid. Children are covered anyway by believing parents. They're under a different system. But people who get baptized, it don't mean nothing if they've not changed their heart. It's like the Jew was claiming because he was circumcised, he was in covenant. Well, Paul and Jesus refutes that. The Jewish leaders told Jesus that their father was Jehovah. And what did Jesus answer? He says, your father is the devil he refuted them. They thought because they were religious leaders and circumcised and under the law they were saved. He says their father was the devil. Well, how could they be saved if their father was the devil? That's sort of interesting, isn't it? So, as we've said before, mankind is to be tested for loyalty. Much Calvinism and false Christianity they don't teach loyalty. You never hear much about obedience or repentance because they think once you got the seal of approval from the good housekeeping people, you're saved and you never have to worry about it. They're liars. They're inspired by devils, okay? And though many refuse to believe, it is a probation period. And if you're not loyal and overcome to the end, like Jesus said, then you will not be saved. See, they're trying to say, oh, it's irresistible grace. There's no such teaching in the scripture. God doesn't force people to serve him. And those who don't serve him end up in the lake of fire. Those who will not. So you've got a lot of false religion that claims Jesus and claims to be saved and spirit-filled, and they're liars. They think they have a license to sin They're in the prosperity. They think they have a license to be covetous and greedy. Uh, They're deceived. They're on their way to hell. If anybody comes to you and you counsel them and they're living in adultery, you don't have to accept their uh, salvation. You can say, oh, you may have been saved, but if you die right at this moment, you're going straight to hell. That's the purpose of hell. And hell will eventually be cast into the lake of fire. So if a person is not morally upright, he's a false Christian. Now, see, you can be morally upright outwardly and not be a Christian. But to be a real Christian, you have to be morally upright outwardly. So all fornicators, liars, homosexuals, thieves, Paul names many, he says those who practice, those who live that way, no drunkard, he said, None of them, he said, will enter the kingdom of heaven. They will not inherit it. They won't go to heaven because they're sinners. See, Jesus said, you practice lawlessness. I never knew you. That's to the non or the professing Christian that never really saved. So we need to get back to see what scripture says, and then we can understand why there are few people who are going to be saved. And most of the people claim to be Christians and spirit-filled are not. And even Paul said, well, we have this seal. God knows who's his. A lot of people claim to be his and think they're his. And they're going to find out when it's too late that they're not his. The millions will say, Lord, Lord. Oh, they say, oh, we believe Jesus is the Lord. He died on the cross. He rose again. They weren't regenerated and Jesus says, I never knew you. And you, by the way, you work lawlessness, you're evil. See, it was their actions. As I've said countless times, all the judgments of God are going to be according to man's works and actions. Never once does it say belief. See, it believes that their actions prove what they believe. And that's why the Lord says, "Why do you call me Lord Lord, if you do not do what I tell you to do? So if you're not led of the Spirit, you don't have the Son of God, you're not His. Oh, you may have once been His, you may have had a wonderful experience. you may have had a visitation from the Lord or an angel, but if you're living in gross sin, you're lost okay you're a loss, and if you die, you will not enter." The kingdom of heaven. That's why I say we have to keep short accounts as Christians. We're not to let sin build up. Uh, like the person said, and I've said many times, you can't help it if a bird lands on your head. You just shoo him away. But you can help it if you sit there and let him build a nest. So if you fall into sin, a gross sin as a Christian, you better repent of it and stop it. That's what repentance means. If you continue in it, you'll be cut off from the vine. And it won't take 10 and 20 years. The Scripture teaches, it said, swift destruction comes on these false shepherds and people. What's swift? God doesn't strike them dead with lightning. No, he kills them spiritually. They die toward Christ. If they had Christ, they don't have him anymore, okay? That's what swift destruction means. And I used to counsel many people living in fornication for two or three years and then try to defend while they're Christians and talk about grace and faith. Oh, I don't have many of them hang up on me. I said, oh, but you're lost and on your way to hell. Oh, but you don't understand I'm saved by... I says, no, you don't understand. You're deceived. If you live and practice immorality, what you tell me you're doing, then I can judge this. You're going straight to hell when you die. Oh, up, upsets up. They want another counselor. See, they want somebody to agree with them. As I've said before, I told my boss in construction work 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that he was going to hell. He asked me what I thought. He said, well, I'm a good Catholic. I said, well, that don't mean nothing. I said, that alone won't send you to hell. What's going to send you to hell is you have an affair because you told me. You have an affair on your wife. He said, yeah, but I love God. I said, well, you're a liar. Because John says, he that walks in darkness and says he loves God is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if people are living in an obvious gross sin, you don't have to accept their Christianity. Like Paul said to some of the Corinthians, and he hadn't come in person yet. He said, perhaps you've been disqualified Maybe you ought to examine yourself and see what's what. So Paul three times says, if you practice certain things, and he says twice, let no one deceive you. Don't let a a false minister, a Christian, lie to you and try to convince you that you're a Christian while you're living in gross sin. Why? He said, don't let them deceive you. He said, I've told you before, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God of God. So that's the gospel, and most people don't want that, and most people who claim to be Christians don't want that. They want teachers and ministers to make them feel good and tell them they're okay, and they're saved by grace, and they don't have to do anything else, so they have a license to sin, don't they? Sounds like the Nicolaitans. I don't have nothing to do with these people. That's why I'm not invited to many churches in the past. See, they would throw you out in a minute, because the people won't tolerate in this dark age. They don't like that. (laughs) It scares them. Oh, we don't need to scare people. Well, why not? Most of them are going to hell, the lake of fire, for eternity. We should at least tell them the truth once. So what if we offend them? We'll at least know they've been warned. At the day of judgment, they'll be reminded that they were warned and we will be free before the Lord of not being a coward. Okay? So we see that God to the Christian gives them aid and help in the situation or out of the situation. What's the worst a man can do, Jesus said, is kill you. But what's the worst God can do? He can kill you and send you to hell, the lake of fire eventually. He says, that's the person you should fear. So don't be afraid of men's mockery or uh, what they think of us or being unpopular or anything else because their opinion don't matter. They'll ultimately as a whole be in hell. They won't be thinking about you and you won't be thinking about them. He says, fear God. If you want to fear somebody, fear sinning against God. That's what has eternal consequences. Man's opinion don't mean nothing. In heaven, nobody ever thinks about him. And nobody in hell thinks about them. So all the great people of the world, nobody's going to think about them. I hear so many people, their legacy, and they want to go down into history. Let me tell you, after five minutes in Lake of Fire, you won't care about history, okay? So the flesh and the world, the scripture says that temptations are not beyond resisting. The flesh, the world, and demonic powers— are the lot of men. That's where we're in this probation period. And what is their lot to be is what he said to the seven churches, overcome. You must overcome whatever your period is. For the faithful God sets the boundaries, and he finds a way for those who are faithful to him. I've heard people tell me, and they've quoted well, God won't give us more than we can bear. He most certainly will if you're living in sin. He'll let things destroy you. You'll be like the men in the tower that Jesus said the tower fell down and killed. He said, do you think they were worse than anybody else? No, they just weren't in Christ. And that killed them. God didn't particularly try to kill them. So the wicked are living by chance. Very few are appointed a time to die. The Christian cannot die without God's appointment. The unbeliever has no appointment with God, no grace. He has to live a day at a time because he never knows what nature's going to do and certain powers, and God doesn't interfere if they're not being prayed for or if they're not in the covenant. So we see man's will has a lot to do with these things. For the faithful God sets the bounds, and he'll make a way for us. He gives strength to resist. Okay, look at look at Romans real quickly again. Romans 13, 14. If people read this every day and obey it, they'll make it to heaven. Okay? They won't be quoting a false scripture out of context. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he's talking about battle and warfare. He's already in you, then you're to use him. That's what it means. That's the armor of Christ. If you don't put on the armor of Christ, you will be defeated. You will be a non-Christian ultimately, if you don't use his weapons. See, that's within the power of the Christian. So you put him on. You get his help and this strength. You get the spirit's help that you put him on, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That's the trouble. That's why many Christians are backslide. They play with sin. They play with sin, then they think they what's the further? You know, it's like a little child. He'll go to the curb of the street, and the mother will say, "Don't you go in the street? You'll get a spanking." And he'll look at her, and he'll put his foot out. He knows what she means, but sometimes he thinks she's not looking. So he walks into the street and thought he gets away with it. Then when he goes back to his mother, he gets a spanking, and he learns the lesson, stay away from the curb. The Christian is to stay away from things that Paul said, flee fornication. If you were an ex-drunkard, you don't go sit in a bar every day and, and socialize with people. See? You use common sense. Okay? You don't have to go prove you can overcome. Paul said, flee fornication. There are certain sins uh, that captivate the mind and the body, and you're not to sit there and haggle with it, you get away from it. And so you make no provision. You don't go and do things that you know you're going to be presented. We can't help it when things come our way and the devil does certain things or the Lord puts us in situations to be tested. But if you used to be a drunkard, stay away from the bars. Don't do things like that. Common sense says it means don't provide for it. Fight it. You know, resist it. Stay away from it. Well, a lot of people don't do that. They still want to, it's so like someone told me, well, all I want to do is make it. I said, but you're not going to make it. Oh, his eyes got so big. As the people that just want to make it, they're just afraid of hell and punishment. That is not enough. See, they have to have the love and life of Christ in them. But say they want to be saved. Well, nobody wants to go to hell. So they want to do. They want to take a vitamin pill that says the minimum daily requirement. Well, they're not going to make it because they've already veiled their heart. They're wicked inwardly. They don't want to serve. The, they're like the guy who buried the one talent. The Lord said, "You're a wicked servant." He thought he was doing good. He said, at least you should have given it to the bankers, and I would have got some product from it. But you didn't even do that. He calls him a wicked servant to be cast into outer darkness. See, he thought he could get away with doing the minimum. But see, doing the minimum revealed his heart. If you're the least person in the kingdom of heaven, you're not there because you chose to be. You don't sit there and say, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes and nothing else. Well, you've already revealed you're not going to make it because your heart has not been changed. Jesus preached a lot more on hell than the apostles did, but they preached on the wrath of God. But they didn't harp on it too much with the believers. See, they didn't want to just scare a person into heaven. Fear of hell is not enough to go to heaven. That's just part of it. You want to love and serve the Lord if you are regenerated. Otherwise, you are a professing Christian, and you don't have the real goods. So there is no irresistible grace. God always appeals to the Christian and his will to be obedient and to use his grace to resist sin. Always, okay? He always appeals. And that's why all of the New Testament— basically appeals to the Christian to do something or not to do something. You hear nothing of God's grace overriding man's will or Christian's will. He can serve the Lord, he can choose to continually serve the Lord with God's help, or he can go back into the world. Let's end our lesson here. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word is truth and ultimately will be irresistible. There is no irresistible grace. It is the irresistible truth of God's word that will judge everyone. We thank you and ask you to give us grace to live your will. In Jesus' name, amen.